Hello and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and peers behind the curtain and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Tipster, host and land penguin at the Pinnacle Larder floating somewhere in the Antarctic Ocean. I'm Aaron with Orange Cat Trivia in Richmond, Virginia. And I'm Jason and my intro is ne- is neither cool nor fun and penguiny. So, hi. <laughs> so, what we're learning is we need to get you more penguins then. Uh, is there a world in which I can get more penguins and not be arrested by zoo police? Oh, ah, damn it. There goes my first plan. Uh, I'll think on that one. Yeah, please do. <laughs> I, I want to know how penguin larceny is going to work here. Actually, I don't because I forgot Aaron is on this episode. And if I say it in a public medium, it can be used against me in a court of penguin crimes. <laughs> I, I am neither a penguin lawyer nor an Illinois lawyer. So I think that makes me safe. Can I get you recorded saying the phrase, I am not your penguin lawyer? That would make my day right now. <laughs> for, for you, sir, the world. <laughs> How you been, Aaron? It's been a little while since I was able to talk to you face to face virtually. I know it has been. I have been screamingly busy, but almost all in a good way. So I can only complain so much. Um, we'll talk about this more later, but we're back to being live and in person every week. So that's kind of cool and also kind of puts a little bit more pressure on us that we didn't have before. Um, and then work is work and mm. Orange Cat thinks it's dinner time. So sorry in advance for that. That's right. We absolutely needed a mascot for this podcast that wasn't, you know, tipster. <laughs> Wait, I was the official mascot? What? You're adorable, my friend. Of course you were. Uh, how are things on your side of the pond, speaking of you? Um, I mean, there's there's a lot going on this side of the pond. We are kind of in a state of flux at the moment. We've only just found out, I mean, much to everyone's surprise, that um, we're going to be in some form of lockdown for the next month or so. Um, but things are starting to move towards that kind of thing uh, well, that's good to hear yeah. i mean not not the the lockdown obviously but that there might be some light at something resembling a tunnel at this point because i i miss friends and hugs and and being drunk in a room that isn't my basement yep. <laughs> so very much Oh, I, I found myself running a lot of errands lately. My wife is uh, a teacher and she's on summer vacation now. Started a couple of weeks ago. So we are attached to the hip, which is nice. Say hi to her, by the way. Uh, I'm kidding. She's nowhere in the studio. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure she's doing one of 312 side projects she has queued up this summer. Sounds but, right. But yeah, it's been nice to be able to go out and, you know, here in Illinois, at least, and I know some other states have gone that route, uh, all the like statewide COVID restrictions lifted on Friday, I believe. Um, which I have mixed feelings about, honestly. But importantly, it means uh, bars, call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think ours got lifted as of May 28th. Um, and, you know, I, we're at the jurisdictions I practice in, every court is able to make its own decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm back in trials now where everyone can see the bottom half of my face. And in the last year, I have completely lost the ability to have a poker face, which is not a great trait in a litigator. So I'm having to relearn not to like let my jaw drop when someone says something stupid and stuff like that. So what we need is Lady Gaga to reinstitute lockdown in Virginia. Is that what you're saying? I feel like there's got to be a happy medium. I'm not entirely sure what it is. I will say I had a cold a couple weeks ago because, of course, I did. You know, the minute all this stuff gets lifted, I get sick with just a regular cold. And I wore my mask and people were looking at me and I'm like, I got a cold. I don't want to get you sick. And no one was an asshole about it. So 
maybe something good is going to come out of this after all. Oh, I love that you're optimistic about that, but I'm really glad to hear that that happened. Somebody has to be. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm in an interesting place where, you know, I'm I'm fully vaccinated. My wife is fully vaccinated. Our son is on dose one and has uh, dose two coming in about a week. And our other son, our younger son, is not vaccine eligible for his age. So we're we're torn about, you know, whether or not we feel super comfortable with, you know, the mask restrictions lifting uh, because everybody can say they're fully vaccinated. And who are you to to know otherwise. Right. But like, what's the other alternative? I mean, unless you insist on everyone carrying that card with them everywhere they go, mm-hmm. which people are going to, for- like the assholes are always going to have the, the, the bottom line because assholes going to asshole. And conveniently that ties into what just happened, which is orange cat was headbutting my computer and hit the off button. Oh no. So it's a tablet. Oh. So it just went to sleep. Um, mm-hmm. But it's good to know that that is a consequence of it going to sleep because I am going to remove him from my table. All right. While you do that, uh, Tipster, do you want to segue us into our roundtable discussion uh, for the day? Because I feel like we've we've nibbled around the edges a little bit. Uh, or should I do the thing that's largely bolded in our show notes to do at this point before we do that, which is to give a shout out to our uh, first ever high level Patreon uh, joiner, Saruta who has uh, contributed some content in the past to this podcast, namely uh, in form of a keyword challenge or three or seven. Uh, Saruta gives us uh, money to, to edit this thing and not sound terrible. So we wanted to give you, uh, Saruta, a, a very special shout out. And in fact, uh, because we love you so much, we'll probably forget we did this at the beginning and do it again at the end of the episode. So stick <laughs> around. You may hear your name twice. Um. Yeah. Uh, So obviously things are starting to open up a bit now in some places. And, um, you know, we thought that the best thing to talk about right now would be um, kind of the difference differences between writing for live versus online. And also some of the ways in which you can kind of mesh those two together in in simulcasting. I know that um, both uh, Jason and Erin do simulcasting at their respective venues. Um, I'm solely online. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how that changes how we approach things. Definitely. Uh, and and for me, well, all I can say, at least at this point in the conversation is, I don't know what's going to happen week in, week out. We're, we're rewriting the rules of how like pub entertainment works uh, pre mid and now potentially post COVID. So uh, what I was doing, you know, at time of recording might be different at time of release, which might be different from, you know, two, three months from now. Uh, In fact, I got myself into a situation yesterday morning where uh, the venue that I do that aforementioned simulcast from messaged me and said, hey, you know, we had a a couple of our patrons wonder if you could start your, your game an hour earlier because they would be able to make it more frequently then. And I had to tell them, I don't know. Uh, because I thought through the logistics and the fundamental reason that I took this show back on uh, before all the restrictions were lifted and without uh, moving around my online schedule too much is because it meshed in beautifully and I could do a simulcast live from the venue. But if they wanted to change the time of that show, it, it brought up questions of, well, does that mean I have to move the start of my online show, which has been, you know, my most clockworky stream online every week we've gone 16 months of doing every thursday at 8 p.m central 
And to change that, I was really hesitant to do. So I started thinking about, you know, can I send one of my uh, potential talent out to do that show? And I let them know that. And fortunately, the response was, no, we want you. We'll stay at the same time. Thanks for thinking it through. So nice. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, um, my sheer charm and charisma saved me from having to think real hard about a thing for 10 minutes. <laughs> and that's definitely an issue that you're having that I'm not having, which is that I have the one venue. I have the one show. I've always only had the one show because I don't know how you do it. I don't know how I do it. And it's just one. So I haven't had to juggle that. Um, and as far as coming back, my, my primary overarching experience has been that I've been crying a lot because walking into a room full of my regulars after a year and a half away who are there like no time has passed and I'm like, oh my God, so glad to see you guys. And they're like, yeah, where else would we be? Has been the normal kind of wonderful that I mm -hmm. get from seeing people and also an extra kind of wonderful in that, oh shit, we made it. We got here, we did it. And, you know, from a business standpoint, it's great. Um, but just from a personal standpoint, it's like, oh, okay, we're going to be okay. So yeah, that's been awesome. I, so I've been given a lot of tearful hugs. I, I get that energy very, very strongly. I went back and did the first night of our return to my longstanding Monday night show, the one that I know that you have personally been to. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went in there and eventually I handed it off to a, a second in command. But the first night I wanted to make sure that I was there, I hosted it. And it was amazing because I got to see all these people that I had not seen faces from in almost a year and a half. And they were there like clockwork, like nothing had ever changed. And a lot of them had been in the streams. So it's not as though they were, you know, sitting at home, crossing their fingers and biding their time. So I had interacted with them, but there is so big a difference between seeing somebody chat in a chat room uh, while you're sitting at home in your basement versus say, seeing them face to face and being able to give them a hug. Mm -hmm. I lived for that. Uh, and in my case, uh, I'm going to get a little personal for a few seconds. Uh, I, I have undergone, at least in quarantine, some some pretty significant personal life changes. Um, I've said it recently in one or two spaces. This is actually the first time and probably only time I'll talk about it on the podcast. Uh, but I came out a couple months ago as genderqueer. Uh, so I was dressed very differently from what they were used to seeing. And to their credit, to a person, every one of them took it in stride, uh, was very cool, very comfortable with it. And that absolutely made the return to that live venue worth the 18 months of waiting. Hell yeah. I mean, knowing your regulars, I feel like I, I wouldn't have expected it to be any other way, but obviously I have the benefit of, of distance. So I'm really glad you had that experience. Yeah. I definitely didn't have major concerns, but you never know, you know? Right. Yep. So tipster, how's your live show? Uh, my, my live show from, I mean, the thing is because we're so remote, because we're floating in the middle of the Antarctic ocean, um, getting a lot I mean, of mileage off that iceberg, aren't you, buddy? I mean, I, I do. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the ocean currents are travel, cover a lot of distance, especially so. with waddles at the helm. Uh, you know, <laughs> like it's, um, uh, live hasn't been going too well for me, but you know, online is where it where it's at for me at the moment. Um, I am uh, currently uh, on a bit of a hiatus as we record this. Um, I may be back by the time this comes out. I may not. It entirely depends on what happens elsewhere mm. in the cacophony that we call life. Uh, uh, <laughs> Well, here's, here's a question that I think I can ask you in the context of this roundtable that you would have a bit of a voice on, even considering that you haven't done live shows uh, 
you know, in, in the last X amount of time. And that would be, did you experience any kind of uh, personnel change in your, in your fan base as things, especially here in like the States started to open back up a little bit in the last month or two? Uh, I mean, I, that would definitely, because of when I host my game, um, a lot of what I do doesn't clash with live in-person events it's you know it's it's chilled it's relaxed it's a sunday afternoon if you're in the states evening if you're in the uk um so i mean yeah people are going out for sunday dinner and things like that i suppose but um i haven't actually experienced much of a change as a result um but i know that some some of some of our other uh, hosts in the co-op have had that experience. They have noticed that there's been kind of a bit of a drop-off um, uh, as a result of things starting to open up. People, you know, having a life outside of their house. Um, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at personally. Is it hasn't changed too much. You did a good job finding, I think, like one of maybe two or three sweet spots in terms of time where you can get that broader audience. So good job there. I, I will be honest with you. The only reason I took it is because it was open. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that it was, a, it was a case of I'm not doing anything at this time. No other host that I know is doing anything at this time. Let's go for this time. It was a um, madcap scramble, yeah, at the beginning uh, of, of quarantine where we were all trying to find what spot would work best for us, who could lead into who, who would conflict with who. And mm -hmm. yeah, you you absolutely had an advantage in a sense of being in a different time zone that you had some, some wiggle ability and you didn't have a, a live show and a stable kind of fan base that you were trying to retain throughout. Uh, and I, I love you for it because then you sent British people to my stupid little Tringo game for a while. And I appreciate that greatly. <laughs> I, yeah, that's the thing is that um, kind of I've had to build this pretty much from scratch um, from, you know, when we started back in May last year. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going into this with fresh eyes almost. Um not having run things at a live environment um i mean i've been to live pub quizzes but i've i think i've only hosted a live pub quiz twice and those were like one-off special things i did when i was a lot shorter and my stepdad was running the bar <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was a christmas gimmick they did um basically that the little kid would run the pub quiz as opposed to one of the bar staff. <laughs> I wish I were there for that so very much. I want to see a little... What, what, what's the correct term? Or would, would you just be like a nestling penguin <laughs> in the pub at that point? There's got to be a term. Oh, what heck, is the definitive term for a penguin? A penguin. This, this came up the other week, and I can't remember for the life of me. Um, is it just a chick? Think I think so. it might just... I think it's just a chick, chick or nestling, yeah. Uh, I think it's chick because I, I wrote a question last week on that book and Tango Makes Three about the, the gay penguins mm -hmm. in the New York's park, uh, park Zoo and I'm pretty sure it's chick. They can both also, be used interchangeably, apparently. Um, uh, but, I, I'm sorry, I don't have much to contribute. I'm just picturing like a chick version of Tipster and I'm going to need some time. 
<laughs> Adorableness overload, I suppose. That's one direction to go, sure. I, <laughs> I don't know what the other direction is here. <laughs> you really, really, really don't want to either. Okay. Moving on then. <laughs> uh, yeah, let, let, let's get actually into the meat and bones of this, uh, shall we? That sounds like a good idea, right? So we've talked a little bit about, you know, kind of how we carved out a niche in the online space relative to any live offerings we may or may not have had. Um, I'll throw it to, to, I guess, Aaron first, and I'll probably have some thoughts on this. Uh, what do you, what did you experience in terms of a difference between your live weekly in-person audience and the audience that you attracted slash retained, uh, going online? The nice thing about being virtual is that we can host anywhere. I mean, I know you've popped in, Corey's popped in, Addie Lewis uh, in Scotland, shout out, plays with Nicole and Clinton every week. So I've got people who I've known for years who've never been able to play an orange cat game and now they can. And uh, you know, especially at the beginning, I had a ton of people who would come by from other streams and would check it out. Um, it's definitely dwindled. Obviously, you know, like Tipster said, things are opening back up and you don't need to be playing a virtual trivia game on Thursday night when you can be doing it in person. So my online audience has definitely dwindled. I think, um, you know, we went from having high discrete viewers in like the 60s and 70s to like 20s now, which is still plenty, especially when you assume people are sharing devices. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's definitely less. But the flip side is that we have people who have wandered into the brewery because we were one of the first places to, you know, fire trivia back up who have stayed, which is not always the case. My game is a little bit less of what I think people expect, a little bit more serious, a little bit harder questions. We're not like the live trivia where you're going to, you know, have time to play a whole song between each question and all that. So we don't always have the retention, but for right. some reason, the people who have found us since the quarantine um, have stayed. And I, I haven't actually pulled them, but I suspect a couple of them did find us online and they're like, oh, this is here and we can do it in person now. So it's, it's almost zero sum. I think we're seeing fewer people overall, but um, not as not as big of a drop off as I expected, which is, again, just I'm so grateful every damn day that it's worked out the way it has. Yeah, it's really neat to hear that you you grew a little bit in in your live show. Uh, getting That's wild. Getting early. Ger I, I'm trying to say words and they're not coming out. Uh, getting there earlier than some other places might. That is really cool. And I'm very happy to hear that for you, Aaron. I am uh, in a position where I'm trying to stay online personally as I get, you know, old and less charismatic and put young and healthy people out to, to do my job for me. And I hope that week in, week out, they're starting to build their own fan bases and retain the old people from like 2019 in the past and then grow from there. The numbers haven't borne that out either way yet. Time will tell kind of uh, from what I can see, but it's it's awesome to hear that people are starting to go find trivia in their local areas again and i think you you have the benefit of the multiple hosts in the multiple locations and you know someone who might have heard about you from a staff member of yours you know found your stream and now has found you and that's really cool and i'm you know mad respect for you for maintaining the volume you were doing and then adding more because holy crap man oh no i cut my volume in half it's fine there's no respect needed <laughs> Uh, I lost my good damn mind there for about a month and then cut back half of my content. You, you did. Now I smile more. It's You're, nice. Good. And half of half of your volume from when you were at your peak is still a completely incomprehensible amount of volume for me, who, again, is losing my mind doing 50 questions a week, once a week. Yeah, but you have twice as many jobs that I do, Aaron. So, true. you know, the respect goes both ways, for sure. It's true. 
Um, I, I will say that I think I've attracted one person so far to one of my live venues that only knew me online beforehand. So shout out to to Brian if he listens to the show. He's uh, started finding uh, he started finding the location of my simul stream uh, and going out and playing there. And it's interesting because he'll bring in like references from the streams only into a live space and like nobody gets what he's talking about. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> when two worlds collide like that. It's weird. And I mean, and some of my kinda... players know them, but yeah, it's still it's it's a time and place kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. And that's something that Rob and I have been trying to figure out how to navigate because we, you know, we are still simulcasting and we do encourage people to bring a big screen so they can watch the stream and engage if they want to. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way the venue is set up, we project on a screen, but the lines of sight aren't great everywhere in the venue. So it's like, you know, if you have a laptop or whatever in your car, go grab it. And we're trying to figure out ways to, to encourage in-house participation with the live stream because you know, we joke at the beginning, it's like, we're up here, we're simulcasting. That's why there's three screens. That's why we're occasionally talking to people y'all can't see. That's why we're talking about whispers and stuff. Um, please engage if you want to, but we haven't yet figured out how to incentivize that so that people will bring a laptop and, and create a Twitch account to follow us on Twitch and do that sort of stuff. So if anyone has any suggestions, please let I, us know. I actually have a thought or two on that. And Tipster might be able to back me up on this from mm-hmm. our broader experience on Twitch. Have you considered leveraging things built into the platform like polls and predictions to get engagement? Um, and, you know, just throw it out to your live audience and say, hey, hop on to the stream and, you know, submit an option for this poll and that'll help us pick a category for next round or the next song that we're going to play. Or do you think anybody's going to have a perfect round, you know, vote yes or no kind of thing? Okay. I didn't know that was an option on Twitch, but I also am, whatever the opposite of a power user is, is, is me on Twitch. I can hit start stream. That's it. Oh, we'll send a... I usually don't hit end stream until I get to the office the next day and open my computer. <laughs> oh, oh I, should, I should turn this oh, off. Oh, one of, one of those. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I can send Rob a very rudely worded uh, instruction list for that. It's fine. Perfect. That's his favorite kind. <laughs> I wouldn't know how to talk to him any other way. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's one way of kind of integrating things in and having um, kind of cross talk between both your live and your um online users um the other the other way that you could kind of do it depending on um kind of how how you want to build it is you could kind of pit them against each other almost and go yeah live team did great but look at this online team that you know, blew it out the park. So, so I kind of do that during my simul stream, and my live teams friggin' hate it. And I'll tell <laughs> okay. you why. My live, my live show consists of people who are willing to drive maybe thirty minutes. So yeah. the, the market is very small geographically. My online show attracts people from five different continents. Uh, so the average get rate tends to be higher online, just because the market base is a little more trivia centric. Uh, and yeah. boy. If there's a question that stumps my in-house audience, but the online teams do very well on, the number of times I've heard somebody just shout, well, yeah, they're looking shit up. Right. <laughs> oh, Which yeah. I promise you isn't the case, but if that right. makes you feel better, I will lean into the bit. <laughs> I've, 
I've had similar conversations because it's the same thing, I think. You know, and you also get super teams. You get like three multi-day Jeopardy champions who can Skype in together and play your game. Like, yeah, my fucking buddies from the bar don't stand a chance. And not that my players aren't strong, wonderful, beautiful people. But they just – there are some people that play my game and your game too, Jason. we got a lot of overlap who I – I'm not smart enough to write questions you can't answer. And that was definitely something that I I had to combat more at the beginning, I think. Now that people are back who were playing the stream and get it, um, I've heard less of that. But I definitely had to to shut a lot of people up who were like, yeah, people are cheating. It's like, well, first of all, if they are, so fucking what? And secondly, I don't think they are. I think they're just smarter than you, and you need to be okay with that. We had one woman who showed up with her boyfriend at the very beginning and proceeded to check into Castleberg to complain that the mask rule was, quote, like, un- unequally enforced. And what the rule was at the time was if you're moving around the tap room, you have to have a mask on. Sure. So Rob and I are up at the podium hosting without masks on. She posts a picture of us to illustrate these inequitable enforcement of the mask rules. And then she's like, and they were giving prizes for first place and people were cheating online. And I'm like, okay, lady, even assuming that, like – Everyone online was not in the running for the prize, which they weren't. Y'all weren't in danger of winning shit. Like, <laughs> why do you think you get to throw these accusations out? It got me really, really hot because I'm like, we're just coming back. We're trying our best. You clearly are an idiot. And that's not fair. She might have been very clever in her own way. But it's just – it's it's rude and it was frustrating. And it's frustrating to me on a personal level because I'm like, no – my friends are just really good at trivia. Like, don't devalue what they're doing because you can't answer this question. So again, fortunately, that has tapered off. But that was a, that was an unexpected hurdle. I didn't expect people to be quite so upset about folks that you're not even technically competing against mm. what they may or may not be doing at home. Okay, yeah, that's, so may, go ahead, maybe sorry. don't go with the competition idea I said earlier. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe no. not. It, it happens organically and it does not go well. Well, do it, but don't do it in a direct head-to-head with actual value on the line kind of way. Instead, you do it in such a way that, you know, the people that you could slash your tires on the way out of the brewery at the end of the night feel better about it. So you point out when they hit right. and you just kind of slide over when they miss. <laughs> that, that, that's not a bad shot, actually. What I did try to do for a while was, for some reason, one of my old school, like from the beginning, regular teams started like in the the sign-up sheet started kind of picking fights with another long-standing team and i'm like oh this is super cool like we're all sitting at home but we all know each other and we can Mm. really i tried to play it up and the the team that was being like heckled just didn't buy into it they just didn't play they didn't engage at all and i'm like oh wow now i just seem like an asshole because i'm siding with team a picking on team b and team b is just refusing to engage and that was a bummer i was really hoping for some some yeah, drama there and did you not need get some it. symmetry there for sure otherwise everybody yes. ends up looking worse so on on the note of having the, the powerhouse online teams relative to the live teams has that affected the difficulty at which you aim to get your uh, get rates at and especially in like a, a simul stream context like you and i do aaron uh how do you how do you mitigate that I don't really like my philosophy is that the only bad questions are ones that everyone gets or no one gets. So I don't really track my get rate super closely and, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. Um, So I, you know, the short answer is I haven't, but as a fun aside, we did a visual round a couple of weeks ago where it was the top 10 most streamed TikTok users. And most of my players are, you know, my age, late 20s, early 30s, probably 30s, 40s, whatever, um, you know, millennials. And 
the there were probably 15 or so teams. There were 10 questions in the round, and the combined score of the TikTok celebrity round for all teams across all platforms was four. Oh. So that was a bad well it, and I don't even know if it's fair to say it was a bad round it was a it was an unsuccessful round but I feel like we all got a really good chuckle out of it um and that was kind of reassuring that that wasn't an in-house out-of-house sort of thing but mm. I don't pay as much attention to get rates I think as you do partially because I don't have an easy way to track it like you do but oh, that's um, right I owe you an easy way to track that don't I yeah I mean, the last thing I need, I already have a smartwatch. The last thing I need is more data that I don't know what to do with that I'm tracking. <laughs> um, but if, if there have been issues, and we, we try to solicit, we're like, listen, if you have feedback, please tell us. Like, this is new for us. As far as I know, Jason, you and I are two of very few people that are doing this. Like, give us feedback. Let us know. And of all the various complaints and compliments that have been levied our way, question difficulty I don't think has been one of them. The only thing I think that's improved is because the questions have to be projected on a screen, I've gotten a little bit better, but not much better at proofreading. Ah, uh, I have not. Because I can't edit on the fly. <laughs> right. No, I, I will say that uh, you have found your your kind of visual voice in presenting your questions. For somebody who didn't have a need or desire to do that going into lockdown, uh, I love the presentation of your streams, the fact that the questions look the way they look in the PowerPoint. You put some work in it and, and tip of the cap to you for that. Um so here's my situation, uh, just to kind of mirror what you were talking about. I'm responsible currently for two sets of content a week. And one of those happens to be for my online game every Thursday, uh, whether or not I'm in a live venue, uh, because I do that live venue show twice a month as opposed to every week. So it's it's very kind of flip floppy. Sometimes I'm spending 100% of my time on stream engaging with my online audience. And sometimes I'm barely paying attention to chat because I have a room of 50 people. Uh, in front of me watching me and obviously uh, I'm being paid to be there by a paying client so the priority has to go there and everybody's been pretty cool about the dichotomy on that uh, but to get back to the original point I do two sets of content every week the one is always for my online game and one never sees the light of day on Twitch because it goes out to my two other live shows I have found that I dial the difficulty down a bit for that other set because I have to remember that I'm not writing for multi-day Jeopardy champion super teams. Uh, and then I forget that I can't do that well anymore. And I have three questions uh, in my 50 question game last week that nobody in the room got. And a final question that nobody got any points on whatsoever. Oof. The thing is that that's going to happen after a year and a half of writing for a particular audience and a particular demographic going back to how it was before can be quite difficult um the way that i and i've spoken about this before on the podcast um the way that i tend to confront difficulty is that um i i do it on a bit of a sliding scale throughout the rounds so there'll be an easier question and there'll be a much harder question in the round than there'll be three that are somewhere in the middle and that seems to get like like that seems to hit the two points that i want to get mm. one people feel like they've achieved something that they've got a question that they're you know they that they have that aha moment um but two people are also learning something something new to go oh and take that away with them oh, tipster, um, my sweet summer child haven't you learned by now that nobody wants to learn anything <laughs> at pub trivia they just want to be rewarded for the stuff they remembered 
Well, too bad, because <laughs> that's what happens at the Pinnacle Larder, is that there is always... Like, if I have a week where I have a team that is perfect, I have not done my job. That's that's how I see it, um, is that if, if someone gets, uh, you know, 60 out of 60, then I haven't done my... I haven't done my job as a question writer properly, um, in my opinion. I haven't pitched that difficulty well enough. Um, and I, I think I, I, it's an approach. I don't know if it's the best approach. I am probably one of the youngest trivia hosts on this podcast, both kind of in Penguin age and also kind of amount of time i've hosted so i'm still kind of feeling things out a bit in terms of that and i'm not sure if that kind of thing would work well in a live setting um how how do you feel about that kind of thing about being told i'm older than you uh bad <laughs> okay not that <laughs> <laughs> i dye my hair for a reason tipster come on now I, i'm sorry i didn't mean to point it out look it's fine it's fine okay we, we can cut that in the edit Oh, no, no, no. That stays in. <laughs> Everyone hears you stick your paw in your mouth. Paw flipper. I don't know. Penguins are weird. Uh, Aaron, do you have anything to, to answer? Because I don't know that I do. Yeah, I, I do like the approach that if everyone gets or if, if, a, if a team gets a perfect score, you haven't done enough. I think that there are some players, Jeffrey Zagurt and looking at you, who just there's not a damn thing you like. There's no facts that man doesn't know. He's just he's a he's a fact man. Um, but it is an interesting approach. And I think it's a good one, at least, you know, to the, to the goal of holding yourself accountable is what it's not fun. It's not fun from a player perspective when, you know, I'm halfway through the question and everyone's already written down the answer and is looking at me again. I'm like, oh, that wasn't that didn't drive engagement at all. Right. So, no, that's a good it's a good um, uh, uh, yardstick, rod stick, stick rod. What the fuck? Rule of thumb. <laughs> yeah. A rule, that's a rule of rod serling or something. Rule, rule, rule um, of flipper. Yeah, I, I guess I do have something to contribute to the conversation on that. And that's uh, mostly that in the history of my pub show live, no team had ever gone perfect. And then I go online and I think I'm up to eight perfect teams and I don't like it. Now, part of it is I give teams, you know, three freebies at their disposal to use. So the perfectest game, you know, potentially is still only getting 47 out of 50. But since that's baked into the mechanics, I very much see it as a valid, perfect game. And it, it just it hurts my heart a little bit. Uh, and you better believe that I go harder in the paint the next time, much to the detriment of, say, my live teams who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about when I bring up, you know, references like Mansa Musa out of nowhere. I don't even know what that reference is. To be fair, <laughs> oh, I don't want I don't want to be wrong about saying what I think it is. All of a sudden, but I uh, Mansumusa was a uh, was an African ruler back in some day, and I believe in the Ethiopian Empire. But somebody will send us an email and correct me, because Aaron, I'm sure you've learned this as much as I do, and Tipster only knows this, uh, being exclusively online. But if you ever want to know the right answer to a thing, say the wrong answer on the internet. And actually, I want to circle back to something Tipster said, and this is slightly far afield from our in-person versus live um, or versus out, out of person. I'm sorry. I've got Friday brain on a Tuesday. Um, in-person versus virtual audiences. But the idea that you guys are here to learn, like, yeah, that's something that, you know, we've got. I know this will be released in a couple of weeks, but Juneteenth is the Saturday. So we're doing around based around that. Here are 10 things that you probably don't know about black people. And 
we did a round, a visual round on famous trans people a couple months ago for Trans Visibility Month. And, you know, someone was like, I'm ashamed not to know these. I'm like, don't be ashamed you don't know them now, but make yourself accountable for learning about it. And, mm. you know, if, if we get everything right, it's because, or if you get everything right, it's because we didn't do a good enough job introducing you to new ideas and new things. And maybe you guessed and you flipped the Cosmic coin and got it right and you still learned something cool. But I think that tips your point is well taken that our job is not just to provide entertainment. We have a, a, a platform from which to educate people in a fun way. And most of us don't get to learn new things in our day-to-day -day life. So, you know, in person or virtual, wherever you are, I, I love when people are like, oh, shit, I never knew that. That's really cool. So so to your point, which is a very strong point, and I, I desperately want to agree with it whole hog, uh, but the, the problem I find myself having with being able to do that is at the end of the day, I have a certain obligation to my paying client to do something that's popular enough that people show up from week to week. So the, mm. you know, here's your spoonful of medicine has to be mixed in with something sweet from time to time. It can't exclusively, at least from my perspective, be a platform for education, you have to have something fun in there with that as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't like wrap their knuckles with a ruler when they get things wrong. And you're absolutely right. You might actually increase engagement if you did. I'm just saying. That's actually a good point. We'll do some market testing on that. I, I'm, I'm worried I'm now. I, I'm worried now. Master, <laughs> you stumbled into a very thirsty podcast recording. I don't know what to tell you. Apparently I did. Um, so for me, it's more about the reasons why people come to trivia and there's two of them one of them is to and be entertained and feel that aha moment we were talking about the other is to feel challenged mm -hmm. um and if they're getting everything then they're not feeling challenged that's kind of my point of reference really um on that is that they're they're you know this is not the challenge that they came for. It's like when you're the smart kid in, uh, you know, a third grade or whatever you call it over there, um, and the teacher's just giving out simple maths problems. It's not engaging. It's it can be quite boring. Um, so that's kind of my my ethic on it. Um, what one of one of the things that I feel is a huge difference between live and online um, moving away from kind of difficulty um, is um, the difference in environment as, as stupid and as simple as that sounds like when you're presenting on a screen, you know that they're getting everything, you know that everything is there. You can tailor that to what you want them to see and hear at any one time. In a live venue, I don't feel that's the case. I mean, you, only earlier, Evan, you were complaining that the projector's a bit off sometimes, and this, that, and the other. How do you how do you compensate for that in uh, in kind of the way you approach a live game? Jason, you go first this time. So yeah, that that's kind of interesting uh, for me personally, not necessarily for Aaron, because I have a broader. Uh, market base where I have to consider the environment in one room one day, another room another day, et cetera, et cetera, plus the online space. But what I will say is this, uh, the switch that I made back in 2020 to the TrivNow hosting platform, uh, shout out as always to them, uh, allows me to kind of mitigate a lot of that because if I wanted to do, for instance, picture questions, which for years and years and years, I didn't because I didn't like how they play tested when I first started doing them because of those environmental concerns, 
I can do them now with the guarantee that at least one person on every team can see that picture very easily. And if they're not a dick, they can show the rest of their teammates, whether or not the TVs are working. The TVs kind of become secondary and uh, ancillary at that point to where, you know, the game does not drive itself through them, but it's a nice additional step, especially for engagement with people who are in the venue and not necessarily participatory going in. Mm. So what kind of recommendations would you have for someone who, you know, is in, um, you know, a, a not well-equipped venue for this kind of thing, um, who potentially kind of doesn't have access to that kind of platform or their, you know, their, their regulars, uh, Luddites, technophobes. Um, is, is there any way that you kind of alter the way you approach your questions to do that? Or is it just a case of no, no picture questions, no media questions, just straight hard line to the point trivia? Well, the answer for me, at least historically, has been if I can't make it work with the platform that I'm using for the game, then I don't attempt to make it work. Uh, before Trivna, I was you know, using a self-based scoring system, question presentation uh, piece of software, and um, it had the capability to do pictures, but again, the rooms didn't allow for it, so I just stopped writing them. Uh, it never had the capability to do like audio or video questions. Uh, until I wrote a different piece of software for a different game format. And then I would lean into those audio visual things. Um, but my experience was they were sometimes hit or miss. And you just have to go in, one, knowing your room and knowing if you're going to have those AV kind of qualms to, to mitigate. And two, mm. let your teams know at the beginning of an event, especially if you don't have a longstanding practice of saying, hey, one of my rounds is always an audio round, one of my rounds is always a picture round, et cetera, et cetera. If you're just kind of throwing it at them at left field, give them a heads up in advance and say, uh, you know, in your social media posts, you know, there, there's an audio round tonight. Make sure that you get a table close to the speaker so you can hear it clearly or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. um, you can do it, but your mileage may vary. And through factors that are far too numerous to uh, potentially mention and often beyond your control. Yeah, we we try to sort of correct for that um, by sort of defaulting to everyone using the same Google. So we, what we do is we send out a Google doc that has, you know, here's a link to the collaborative Spotify playlist. Here's a link to the answer sheets. We'll unlock the visual round and the audio round so that you can have it at your table. If you have your phone or a screen or whatever, you know, you can, you can scroll through it and look. Um, we rarely do full on visual questions for that reason, but occasionally we'll have like silly pictures and stuff, which is why we encourage people to bring laptops. Um, the thing where it's been interesting, and again, it doesn't matter, matter because they're not competing head to head, but for the audio round, it's 10 clips. Um, usually it's a name, the artist thing, and we'll play them twice. But for the at home people, we will give you access to the Google drive folder that has all the files in it. And we're like, listen, y'all, we're going to play them twice through here. And the people in the brewery are only going to hear them twice. We literally can't control what you do. We can make recommendations and you know, you can do whatever you want. And the question is always kind of, you know, did this team score better on this question because they were able to listen to it 16 times or did they just know it? And again, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Or um, did, you know, Alexa know it or something right. like that. And then we get right. into a broader conversation about the fundamental differences between doing a live show and an online show. Yep. So, so um, I, I mean, we briefly touched on knowing your audience there with Jason. And that's something that I feel is very different in the online space 
is that there is kind of this curtain, there is kind of this veil where you don't you don't really know your audience. You you have a chat avatar and you have a text chat and that is about it. Um do, do you think that having that physical presence, kind of knowing your audience, having that also that kind of localness of your live audience as well, does that affect the way that you approach your your writing and your presentation as well? Yeah, I, I don't know how much it affects my writing, although occasionally I will throw little, you know, uh, secret nods or Easter eggs into either facts that I write or wordings that I choose that are, you know, an homage to something that was said on stream recently or somebody's username or, or things of that nature. You know, if I ever write like a horse racing question, you better believe there's <laughs> going to be some kind of subtle nod to a certain uh, player that we all mutually know and love. Uh, that calm, kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um so as far as getting to know your players goes, it interestingly feels like I know my online players, if not better, at least differently than I know the players who have come out every week for years. Uh, true story, I've been at one venue since I think 2011. I've had a pair of guys play there more or less every time I was there. I've seen them literally a couple hundred times at this point. I found out their names two weeks ago. Oh, Okay. I know I know who they are. I know what they look like. I know their favorite drinks. I know where they sit at the bar. I know what their team name is. Had never occurred to me to just find out what their actual real life names are. Uh, and, you know, if somebody pops into one of my streams like three times at some point, I'm going to find out their real name. I'm going to find out where they're from. And I have more information about them than I've had uh, for years of just casual interaction with people in, in the pub. And that's a really interesting point that I actually hadn't thought about. There's a, there's a couple of players in my stream that I met because they stumbled into my stream and now like we're friends on Facebook. And if we can get together when I'm in Chicago, we'll do that. And, and it's these relationships that you can form because like you said, you know, I'll have people approach me in the wild and go, Hey, you're Aaron, you host a Castleberg trivia. And I'm like, this is super unfair. <laughs> I don't know who the fuck you are. And I have no way of knowing who you are unless, you know, we, we have a connection that leads to a conversation in the brewery or for whatever reason, um, you know, things, you, you get to know people one-on-one, -on -one, but it's hard to do that when you're interacting with people in that host team environment. When you're on Twitch, even if you're interacting with people in the chat, you're only ever interacting with people one-on-one. -on -one. And the way my sign-up sheet works is I ask people to give me like a, I have an anything else you want to tell me section that I accidentally marked as required and just have never unmarked it because people are now required to tell me something. <laughs> and I learn fun <laughs> facts about people. Like someone got a promotion and that's really freaking cool and I can shout them out. And I, I hadn't ever considered the extent to which the online format fostered relationships with even my regulars that I hadn't had in four years of hosting these people. So that's a benefit that I hadn't considered. And that's really neat. And that's something that I hope to continue cultivating is, you know, if I have a couple of regulars who moved away during the pandemic and they're still playing and that's really neat. Or if you're homesick, you can still like come in with your, like, like Skype in with your team and stuff. Yeah. yeah the personal level. Gives you no excuse. No. And it's, it's fascinating that if you had said to me three years ago, you know, a global pandemic is going to shut down the world and your trivia game is going to change in such a way that you have made more interpersonal connections than you would have otherwise, I would have said what, actually I probably said what, what pandemic, but <laughs> the, the secondary question would have been, what do you mean? And I wonder, Jason, and, and tipster, sorry to a lesser extent, buddy, because I don't, you're not, you're not here, but to what extent the 
the openness of the trivia podcast community made us more receptive to that because so many of us met each other for the first time on these Facebook groups and in this virtual space. And it's not unusual to share that kind of interaction and relationship with someone, little our relationship with someone um, that you know through trivia because it, it's just what we're kind of used to as opposed to sitting in a room with people that you don't have that one-on-one engagement. You don't have the opportunity for that mm-hmm. one-on-one engagement with. I wonder if that's part of the reason why. I'm just thinking out loud now because you tickled something in my brain that I'd never <laughs> thought about. So I can do this all night. Someone should stop me. <laughs> I, I can jump in and actually answer your question if you're here for that. Uh, absolutely. Always. Um, I feel like I made a couple hundred new friends in the last year and a half, and I got really, really, really lucky on a couple uh, just coincidental facts that have almost certainly driven me to the the esteemed levels of mediocrity that I currently uh, rest upon. Uh, So Geek Bowl was the week before everything shut the hell down. And I marketed my butt off that weekend. Um, Between, you know, uh, meet and greets at the actual event itself and the timing of that and the pre-event stuff that I very, very fortunately conned my way into providing entertainment for. And a couple hundred people found out who I was, not even in a trivia context, but just in an entertainment context. Uh, I was able to leverage the hell out of that. And, you know, in social media stuff, say, hey, remember the drunk guy who let you sing uh, the the karaoke song a week and a half ago? Uh, I do trivia. In fact, I do a shitload of trivia. And now I do a shitload of trivia online and you have nothing to do. Uh, And I have, yeah, I have a, a huge, huge debt to pay off to, uh, primarily the folks over the Triviality podcast, but the connections that they have made and are part of in that space as well uh, through, you know, mutuals with Trivial Warfare. And um, why can't I not think of another trivia podcast to say my misinformation? There, there we go. go. Uh, so many of them started up too. I mean, I was I was, uh, I was was a big fan of Complete the List. Um, Andy Saunders, who I don't think is still doing the podcast on the regular these days, but fingers crossed. Uh, He pops into my streams all the time. We've had conversations and collaborations. Um, He's a big reason why my Wednesday Night Mega Sheep game exists, because it turns out he did it differently and arguably better, and I'm really just writing his coattails on it. Um, In addition to Omar Mahmoud and the Trivial Warfare Army, who, you know, named the game. But yeah, um, so it's, it's it's a community that's broad and interconnected. Thousands of fans... Uh, dozens of performers in the space. And if you know one or two people in there, there's a very reasonable chance you know about 30 to 40 others just through connective osmosis, for lack of a better word, being in the same shitposting groups on Facebook or following the same people on Twitter or being in the same online quiz league or playing in the same Twitch stream on a weekly basis. Uh, So the interconnectivity of the online community has grown in some small part because of uh, the fact that trivia hosts have made the move online, but also because we brought other people in with us. So we're broadening that space uh, even as we make the transition back into live shows. Yeah. That's an excellent follow-up tipster. And I very much appreciate your insight on that. Yeah. Also, I think it helped that not only did you host karaoke, you emceed the shit out of that party because not everyone has the chops to do that. And while my memories of the night are not as clear as I might like for them to have been, um, I remember you just you just crushing it. And, you know, you were able to turn around and say, hey, remember that guy? And no one, I feel like, was like, oh, yeah, that guy was all right. Aaron, you remember <laughs> that party? Because I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to, you know, drink a $5 martini, drink a glass of water, drink a $5 martini, drink a glass of water. And that's the only reason I'm still alive today to remember that party. Aaron, the venue gave me 
personally a $250 com tab and said, go nuts. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think I benefited from that. Many, many people did, but I, I still had a triple digit tab. That's how crazy that party was. My favorite fun fact from that party, um, and I'm sorry, this is kind of alienated people who weren't there, and we, we wish you had been, but was, was Marcus Ellis turns to me at the end of the night, looking as bleary-eyed as I felt, and he's like, I can't tip. And I'm like, what? He's like, I can't tip. His tab was $69.69. And I'm like, yeah, you shit, can't you can't tip. So I, I tipped for him. <laughs> I explained to the staff what we were doing. They were like, please, please just leave. <laughs> Oh, they anyway. were so done with us, but it was such a blast. And th- there'll be others. I'm going to put together a convention or something. It's really just an excuse to invite 12 people over to my house and get drunk. Exactly. And <laughs> it is wonderful that that was able to be an event that springboarded us into the very dark times. And we were able to carry that momentum through in a way that I hadn't thought about until Tipster pointed it out. So thank you. Yeah, that timing breaks a different way. And I don't know if we're having the same conversation today, 16 months later. Stupid Great. butterfly mm. effect. Um I don't know that I have too much more to contribute on the topic. Do you guys have any last licks or uh, questions that you want to fire off? The one thing I want to throw out about engagement with the audience is just that I had forgotten how much I missed the feeling of a whole, whole room full of people going, oh, when I give an answer. Um, and sort of along those same lines, you can't tell tone in text. So when mm-hmm. you know, you're connecting with people one-on-one and you think they're being an asshole, you sort of have to realize that if they were happy, if you have the same conversation in real space, it might not sound the same. And that's something that I really missed, um, that the, the real in-person interactions are always going to be different than in text, but the degree to which was kind of jarring when we switched from everything in person to everything online. Yeah, absolutely a learning curve there. But I will follow up on that and say that the sweetest sound I have heard in years was a room full of people actually booing one of my true false questions. <laughs> I because was literally I a, about to ask about that. <laughs> I have a boo counter set up on the Twitch stream and it it does its job. But to hear 40, 50, you know, jokingly angry people in unison just send that energy is a whole other thing. And I didn't Great. know I missed it until I didn't have it. I, you, you've you've basically answered my next question, which was how those kind of. I I mean the the booing true or false questions was that something you started in the online space or was that something no. prior to That's it? It's always it's, been a part of your game as long as I've been playing it. It's something that one specific team at one specific venue. Um, wasn't even joking about. They just really friggin' hate my true false questions. So whenever they come up, one dude on that team is just like, boo. And then, I, you know, you take something that you don't like and you, you know, flip the script on it. You make it something everyone loves because I, social weird. Uh, and then we turned it into this whole thing that is now moved across venue to venue, um, location virtual to location virtual. And yeah, I can go in, I could go into your stream on Thursday, Aaron, and I'm pretty sure I could just say true or false, Aaron is awesome. And 12 people would boo me because oh. that's how interconnected <laughs> Easy. everything is. Easy. It's, yeah, it's everywhere. Also true. <laughs> no. Um, uh, but that kind of leads me on to another thing. How do you have have any of those kind of, for want of a better word, memes? Uh, have have any of those transitioned into your live game, or have you kind of dialed it back to where it was, kind of pre-COVID? I don't know that I have the charisma to generate memes the way that Jason can. So anyone who's listening who has a different opinion, let me know. But I think I've just kind of, you know always done what I've always done and 
I refuse to change. So Yeah, the, the biggest thing I can think of that was exclusively online was me talking about being a hack and a fraud and somebody would inevitably type in the chat command bang quality, uh, which was my version of your lower your expectations. Tipster, let's be honest <laughs> oh, with yeah. that. That is a shameless ripoff. Uh, and there's no good way to translate that directly, <laughs> directly into, into the it. live space. So what I might just need to do is steal your idea further and put up a little video gift from time to time. On, on the screen? Yeah. I'll put a little copyright notice in there. They'll they'll know that I stole it from a penguin they've never heard of. It's fine. Trademark. All trademarks attributed to Tipster. M-M. Uh, what's the Roman name? Uh, X-X-I or whatever. I believe you. I missed but, that question in Learned League, so I don't know. But I am going to have to figure out how to, to make that transition go more bi-directionally because that would be neat. And I don't see myself, and I guess that is a good final question to kind of end on, and I'll push it to you in a second, uh, Aaron, as I think about it, and then Tipster as well. But I don't see myself honestly abandoning the online space as live shows continue to grow and expand, at least in a perfect world, if everything breaks the way I want and kind of need it to, my my goal is to stay here, be the face of my my silly little brand in my basement, uh, send minions out to do the actual like charismatic work live and, and figure that all out. Aaron, um, important question that I don't think that you and I have ever talked about. Uh, since quarantine started, do you see yourself stepping away from streaming your live game? It It's a constant, not constant, it's an occasional cost-benefit analysis, right? It's like you discussed, you know, at the end of the day, the venue is paying you. And my venue hasn't, I, I defer to the owner of my brewery. I'm like, listen, um, I'm not going to ask for a check until I feel comfortable that it's not going to hurt you. And we're there now and I actually need to remember to have that conversation with them before I ask another goddamn question in his bar. But... Um, <laughs> At this moment, he's who's paying me, and he's paying me because I'm bringing people into his space. And if we reach a tipping point where the stream is affecting his ability to do business, it affects my ability to do business. And I, I don't think we're there. Like I said, the feedback's been largely positive, and I know people enjoy it. Um, the other factor will be, you know, if I hit a point where I've got like one online team, it's it's not a huge hassle to set up because it's just what we've been doing for a year and a half. But it it is a bit of a pain in the ass. And if it, if I don't think that there's a benefit, you know, that outweighs the, the cost, either literal cost and, and detraction from the on in-person game or cost to me, like having to remember all the shit you got to plug in, um, then it, then it, it will be a conversation Rob and I have. And mm -hmm. I will say to those of you listening who've been playing my live game, I'm aware the sound quality has gone down and we don't know how to fix that without breaking the bank. Um, and that's something else is like, do we want to spend a couple hundred bucks on, on, microphone equipment that will allow us to mic plug a microphone directly into the laptop that's streaming because right now we're using the in-house speaker system and it's muddy and i get it and it's like where do we place our resources and that's always sure. going to be the question for for now i i don't want to stop i enjoy it i love the connection i have with people i love seeing the folks in the chat i love seeing you pop in i love seeing Corey pop in and everyone else and it's it's fun and it's part of what orange cat trivia has become but longer an essential part of my brand and mm. it as such i mean it's you know to draw a really crass analogy i guess kind of like an appendix like if it becomes inflamed and has to be cut out it has to but it's going to be an unpleasant experience and you're going to drag me kicking and screaming to the knife so the short answer is not today 
That was very, very well thought out. Thank you so much for that. I'm not <laughs> even worth thinking about it. That was a great answer. Yeah. Uh, Tipster, I want to kind of ask you the same question uh, to wrap things up here in Roundtable, but in reverse, uh, because you've exclusively, for, for lack of a better word, done your pub trivia event virtually. Uh, if and when the world gets back to something resembling normal over in your area, do you see yourself transitioning your show into a live environment? I I truly don't know. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, kind of some of them that I've broached on the podcast here. Um, that you know, British pub trivia hosts. Uh, it's not a it's not a huge thing over here. So um, it, it would be a case of a finding a venue and then b having the time to kind of make sure that i'm ready for that because as we've discussed here and we've discussed many times on this podcast hosting online and hosting in person are very different things and a lot of what i do with my host persona is kind of a bit of a bit of a mask a bit of a barrier um to 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 protect me um more than anything so removing that is going to be I don't know. We'll see. Um, there's a, a lot of personal decisions that go into it, as well as just kind of logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, Tipster, if you want some advice from the experts, the simulcasters themselves, uh, you know you could get that, right? You could send an email to quadriviapod at gmail.com. Uh, go ahead and tag Aaron or myself in it with any questions that uh, you, as a loyal listener, might have about uh, trying to balance an online trivia show with a live trivia show. Uh, We have nothing else going on in our lives. We uh, are happy to sit down and write you a five-page essay. I have plenty going on in my life, and I am still happy to sit down and write you a five-page essay. I think it's about time we stopped talking about asking the questions and started talking about writing them. We're going to do the keyword challenge, and this is how it's done. Right? We have a drop for this? No, we don't have a drop for it. We just well, okay. we literally say it every time. How it's done is because uh, I'm a professional. We have users submit their keywords to quadriviapod at gmail.com, and then we draw them out of a hat or a virtual hat because everything is virtual these days. And then your intrepid hosts will use that keyword to write a question. And then we're going to read the questions to each other, and then you're going to judge us for it, um, hopefully in a positive way. Today, the winner is not Corey. Is that still a bit we're doing? Yeah, it's still very yeah, much a bit we're doing. Fantastic. Fuck thing. that guy. And um, yeah, so the keyword today was submitted by Ginny Pond. Thanks, Ginny. The random, num- random number generator spit it out. And we're going to take the next 10 minutes to write the best question using the keyword John Michael Montgomery. And that needs to appear somewhere in the question or the answer. So while we do that, you guys can listen to... It's still porn music. Don't worry. Still porn music. Great. I'm glad to hear some things never change. And we are back from a break that took exactly 10 minutes. No more, no less. Wanted to throw a uh, quick thank you once again to Ginny Pond for your keyboard submission, uh, which was sent to us through our email website or our email site at uh, quadriviapod at gmail.com. But I would be remiss in not pointing out that you can also uh, screw off the concept of sending an email and just send your keywords automatically through quadriviapodcast.com, a website that I've been assured exists. So uh, thank you to Corey for the work on that. Thank you to Ginny for the keyword. Are you, are y'all okay if uh, I take this one on first? 
Go for it. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. Tasked with writing a question about John Michael Montgomery, I didn't. Uh, so here's what I've got. Uh, our country music loving fans probably know the work of John Michael Montgomery, but his brother Eddie has some chops too. What was the name of the music duo that consisted of Eddie and his friend Troy that released songs like Gone, Something to be Proud of, and Lucky Man? Well, I've got no fun to want this. Right. I, I just read the Wikipedia page and still don't know. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any any little breadcrumbs in the question. I'm going to put you out of your misery and tell you there really aren't. Oh, heck. Okay. Um, I would this... love to hear how you were going to turn chops into an answer, though. So carry on. Uh, let, let's say uh, Monty Stakes. I don't know. Um, uh... That's right. That's... Good old Charles Montgomery Stakes the <laughs> third. <laughs> I've got no clue, I'm afraid. This is a complete stumper for me. And Probably I because figured it's... it would be for you, all people considered. Yeah. A little bit out of my wheelhouse, I'm afraid. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if you are a fan of country music, but I know you're in an area that isn't not fans of country music. Do you have a, a stab on this one? No. Um, no. <laughs> Just a sheepish no. follow-up. No. Okay. Well, unfortunately, it's not Charles Montgomery Sticks the third. Uh, the name of the music duo is Montgomery Gentry. Oh, I came across that name, but it didn't occur to me that that was the thing. I thought, there. Eh. And, and really, this question was just an excuse to uh, point out this funny I look like an idiot story because uh, my wife is is a fan of country music and was listening to a fair amount of Montgomery Gentry back when they were popular in the U.S. in like the mid 2000s. So they'd come on the radio and, you know, pretty good sound. So I'd say I, I said something along the lines of, wow, this uh, Mon this Montgomery Gentry is a pretty good singer. Uh, and she laughed at me because it's not a singer. It's a band. So my head immediately went to, OK, so it's it's a couple of people from Alabama who, you know, wanted to, to show off that they were like well off a little bit. They're the Montgomery Gentry. And she's like, no, honey, that's not right either. <laughs> Uh, so I've been wrong about the origin stories of this band name twice in my life. Montgomery Gentry is named for uh, John Michael Montgomery's brother, Eddie Montgomery, and uh, childhood friend and collaborator, Troy Gentry. Ah. Thus is concludes it one of those, the sum total it, of knowledge I have on Montgomery is it Gentry. One of those one of those groups like uh, Eurythmics where you only ever hear one of them? No, I think they do duet it pretty well i think it's more of like a not quite like a big and rich style of they each take verses and have very distinctive sounds i think mm -hmm. one of them does a lot more lead but they do have some pretty throughputty harmonies if i remember right i think uh, a better in for that question would have been if you had told us troy's last name yeah but what kind of douche would do that i don't know i, I, I don't know. know i don't know jason what kind of douche would do that i don't know somebody who's into trickery i tell you and I did consider that, but I'm like, have I done a DTQ on the podcast lately? And I assume the answer is yes. I I mean, it, it's odds are, odds are that yes, probably. <laughs> if you give a Jason a prompt, right? Uh, Tipster, <laughs> uh, you know so much about country music. What do you got? Uh, so, uh, we were talking about Geek Bowl earlier in the podcast, and I thought I'd try my hand at something a little bit different. Ooh, okay. This is a quiz bowl, geek bowl 
style question where I drip feed clues to you and you have to tell me the answer. Um, I don't know how we're going to do this on the podcast um, <laughs> for the listeners playing along at home. Um, so maybe just an I've got it until I finish the question. And yeah, sounds then good. Sounds good? Sounds good okay. to me if it does to you, Aaron. Sounds great. I like okay. these. Part of this motto was the name of a band who covered a John Michael Montgomery hit in 1994. That song... I swear, topped the U.S. singles chart for 11 weeks. I think I got it. From the top in the U.K. by Wet Wet Wet. This is a translation of the unofficial motto of Sweden. However, this motto is most famously associated with a group of three in a 1980, uh, sorry, an 1844 novel, though a 1975 film upped that number to four. I the think I've got it. The author of that novel was Alexandre Dumas, and that fourth was D'Artagnan. This motto about loyalty that means the larger group will support any of their members and vice versa is the motto of the Three Mosketeers. What is that motto? That's cool. That is a really like neat idea. I do too. Yeah. Um, quick note, though, as people are feverishly uh, sending us emails about it, I think you said it was the motto of Sweden. Uh, but uh, the Switzerland, text that you sent I, said Switzerland, so I just want I, to correct I that wrote, in place. Yeah. yeah, I wrote Switzerland. I said Sweden. They both begin with SW. It is, I have been awake for less than an hour and a half. Right. I, didn't somebody get Danish and Dutch wrong on our podcast not that long ago? Shh. Uh, so, yeah, I had... super weird because they were talking about pastries, so it's a really weird way to confuse right. those. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I had this, and I, I, having heard the rest of it, I know I've got it. I got it off mm -hmm. of the uh, the song reference, I Swear. Uh, and I think, Aaron, you got it off of uh, the group of three in an 1844 novel. Is that right? Yeah, I was and confirmed by Dumas. I was, I was thinking, I was like, God, who did that song? Who did that song? Who did that song? And then, yeah, three kind of crystallize it. Um, this is a neat question. I don't know how to – it'll be interesting to hear from our listeners how – how y'all felt about it in terms of like getting it. Um, but I, I liked the format. I mean, should we, should we say the answer together in kind of an all for one, one for all sense? I mean, oh, go because, ahead. Yeah. We, uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. I don't want to do it anymore. Aaron didn't like it. <laughs> it's, I just, it's with the delay and the, I just, I'm going to. We, we have never successfully done one of those tandem things, so you're fine. So hard. It's like trying to do um, whatever the fuck they call them on Trivial Warfare. Shout, shout out, social shit. Um, the one when you say it together. Um, anyway, I'm going to ask a question now. How about that? Okay. <laughs> Get myself out of this hole. So um, this is going to provide you guys with an example of my question writing style when I don't know how else to work a hint into a... Um, a question that is part of a theme round. What artist's first three albums, Life's a Dance in 1992, Kicking It Up in 1994, and a 1995 eponymous album are all certified multi-platinum? His name fits this category. Is the category the keyword? Yes. Oh, then I got it. I got it. Dead to rights. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, so do I. <laughs> but I, I will say if you wanted to stick this in an actual category, uh, category about people with 
three first name sounding names would be a solid yeah. category. Yeah. That's a or shout. Like yeah. People whose names are also places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I'm going to take a stab that this is John Michael Montgomery. Just to put the listeners hey. out of their uh, misery on that. <laughs> would I be right? They're, they're yelling at their car speakers. Please stop. Yeah, that is correct. I actually think I remember Life's a Dance, I believe, had a titled single that I think I remember. It sounds it's ringing a strong bell. Probably. I mean, literally everything I know about John Michael Montgomery, I learned in the first five minutes of writing this question. Uh, were you around for the Tringo category I did that was named remarkably similar to that? No. Uh, it was everything I know about Bridgerton I learned from reading the first five sentences of its Wikipedia entry. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I, I literally just took that first opening paragraph and wrote 10 questions about like keywords in it and somehow connected them to very broad information about the show. I'm like, Bridgerton appears on Netflix. Here's a question about Netflix. Bridgerton right. has a dowager, apparently. What's the definition of a What's dowager? A dowager? That's how all of my theme rounds go. We did a, a Nicolas Cage round by request a couple weeks ago, and I was sitting at work. And again, I work in a law firm. There's no reason that I should have printed the entirety of the Nicolas Cage Wikipedia page, um, except that I was using it for trivia. And we have one central printer in my office because there's only four people that work there. And then I proceeded to leave it on the printer, and I had court the next morning. So I had to text my firm's group chat and be like, listen, uh, <laughs> you're going to see something weird in the printer when you get to the office. Don't don't make it weird. Just, just, and then just let it go, oh, man. Told them no other information, and they're like, "What? What did you do?" <laughs> and it was just the Nicolas Cage Wikipedia page. Um, I think that's the right way to approach Nicolas Cage's Wikipedia pages. Yeah. Is just leave them somewhere in the wild and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh goodness, you've just reminded me of Commando Enclosure. Oh my god. <laughs> I I really like that three of us went three very different directions in the format of our question. And that none of us mentioned the one song that I assumed all of us would be kind of stuck on writing about, which has to do with like an auction, which may or may not occur in the next county over from where I live. Uh, um, you got to really? read the there's second a... entry on Wikipedia for John Michael Montgomery to apparently there's get a... the song sold. Yeah, there's a Grundy County in Illinois, too. There is. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a town called Grundy in Virginia. It's in the point of Virginia that like pokes up into West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And um, Appalachian State Law School is there. Oh, and no my best okay. friend from law school clerked there for like two years after law school. So I went out to visit him a couple times. It's very pretty. Um, but my initial impulse was to write a question that pointed to Appalachian State. And then I ended up being on a 20 minute phone call and didn't. You mean yeah. a 10 minute phone call because we'd never lie about the length of the keyword challenge, would 10 we? 10 minute phone call. Yeah. Well, go. listen, <laughs> billable minutes and actual minutes are very different minutes. Um, Don't tell Ken but, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I really like this keyword. I didn't know what we were going to get out of it. I had some concerns, especially with a penguin uh, on the podcast and country music <laughs> merging. But I would love to find out at some point ever, Corey, uh, who did it best. So um, Tipster, how would people uh, vote for their favorite of our three questions? So you can head over to our website, quadriviapodcast.com, where you'll see all of the questions from today's keyword challenge and indeed a trivia game that is coming up a little bit later on. Hey, it's a little bit later on. Aaron, do you have a trivia game for us? I do. This is a round called Torque From Home which we wrote in the... <laughs> Where's my towel? Where's my towel? <laughs> God damn it. 
Listeners, we had no idea what this round was. Erin just said during show prep, she's like, oh, I have a round about virtual games. I'll do that. Uh, <laughs> Twerk from home hit us the same energy it's hitting you, I promise. <laughs> I feel like this should have been predictable. Um, so this was a round that Rob and I created for a friend of ours who is a captain in the Air Force. We, we did a virtual game for his work group. Um, and this came out of that. So credit to Sean Osler by way of Rob Kruger and myself. This was sort of a, a team effort, but the, the theme, as you may have expected, these are all questions loosely based around teleworking. So we're going to start with question number one. Today, teleworking is made possible thanks to the many advances in internet technology. Dating back to 1969, what research network funded by the Department of Defense served as the immediate precursor to the internet, paving the technical foundation for our globally connected society today? I think I know the answer to this one, but I feel like I might be exactly one letter off. So I'm going to go with the briefer thing I have in mind. Um, yeah, that either makes sense or it doesn't. Tipster, what do you think on this? I'm so, okay, 1969. So nice. Uh, so it's space race kind of era. In fact, end of the space race. Um, uh, do, 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 do. No, it's not coming to me. I, I, I've got nothing on this. I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. I, I, I can... you know, I feel like a, a, a suspiciously British accented penguin floating around the Arctic Circle Ocean is, is not necessarily going to be responsible for knowing the 1960s DOD activities. But, Jason? Uh, yeah, if I remember right, and I, it either has a D in it or it doesn't, so I'm going to give you the answer that doesn't. I believe it's ARPANET. That is the correct number of letters. It is ARPANET. Oh, thank goodness. I couldn't, I couldn't get DARPA out of my head for some reason. I think that's also a thing, but I don't know what thing it is. It is, um, and I don't remember either, except that I do remember uh, ooh, DARPA is DARPA.mil is a thing. Because this was a Learned League question not super long ago, and the most common wrong answer was DARPA, which... Oh, right. They done... do the, uh, like, Wetworks research things for the CIA. They they create, like, the shoe lasers and shit. I believe you. Shoe lasers. Yeah, you should know that. You have a quartermaster. Yeah, I do, but we live on an iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, living on an iceberg would be an advantage for lasers. They've got to be super cold. Huh. Huh. We'll get to work on that. Today, I didn't what know else? I needed to learn. Uh, I'm good for question two, if Tipster is. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Okay. Um, however, first, I'm going to say that DARPA stands for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, um, which is the agency within the United States DOD responsible for the development of emerging technologies. So I believe DARPA runs ARPANET. Okay. That, that makes a whole lot of sense because you don't need the defense on ARPANET that much. Based on some panic Googling I just did when I realized I didn't prepare for this round as fully as I could have. <laughs> Question number two. <laughs> Some of us have used this time to pick up new hobbies like cooking or baking. I made some bread. What is the term for the process in which a food, usually a vegetable or fruit, is scalded in boiling water, removed after a brief timed interval, and finally plunged into ice water or placed under cold running water to have halt, sorry, halt the cooking process? I'm real oh. mad at myself because I know this term. I've done. Oh, I got it. Okay. It's not. 
No, it's not what I think it is. It's not. No, because that means white in French. Aaron, I think this question is pure golden, girl. I wish I could take Wait, that Wait, no. Is it? Is it? Is it blanching? It is. It is blanching if I'm right. I, I think it you is. and I it, yeah. No, blanching doesn't mean white. It means black. What am I on about? Blanc. God no, that's it. white. No, that's white. Is it white? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I need more tea. <laughs> While you get more tea, I'm going to ask question number three. A VPN, or virtual private network, is a service that allows you to securely access resources on a remote network as if you were in the office. Some of you may use them every day. In a development Rob begged me not to put in current events, what tech behemoth recently announced a new service called Beyond Corp to allow users to access their resources without a VPN? And the reason he begged me not to put it in current events was that he could ask it in his round. Ah, okay. See, I really thought this question was going to point out the fact that we are to date not sponsored by NordVPN, so they don't get a plug. Uh, I don't think that's the answer to this question, unfortunately, so now I have to do actual thinking. Mm. Uh, so, okay, Beyond Corp. <sighs> it's not Microsoft. Yes, on this. I don't think it's Microsoft. I don't think it's Sony. How do you feel about Cisco as a stab, Tipster? Cisco's not a bad stab, but the last time I stabbed Cisco, the uh, the server didn't like it. So uh... yeah, I don't think Deep Space Nine liked it either. No one's going thong song, really. I was I was waiting for somebody to mention that so I could riff that thong sales had gone down starkly. But eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't um, have a stronger guess than Cisco, and I don't know that it's right. I think it's going to be something that's less specifically IT in the tech world, if that makes sense. Like a Facebook or help? an Amazon kind of thing. But I, I really don't would have any help? thunder. Would it help at all if I told you perhaps this question might be benefited from you thinking that maybe the letters should be NPV, reordered to NPV? I wish that it did, but I'm not in that okay. headspace. Oh, is it? This is what I. Is it Alphabet? Oh, uh, is it Google is it? by way of Alphabet? Yeah, is it Google? Is uh, it? Tipster? I, is it? You know what? With with the breadcrumbs you have so lovingly baked and shoved in our mouths, I think we're going to guess Google <laughs> slash Alphabet here. That is a good um, thing that you guys came to all by yourselves. It is Google. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they're a tech behemoth. That's that's one way to describe them. You know, the only accurate way to describe them if push comes to shove. Probably definitely evil. Yeah. And they're listening. So I'm going to move on to question four. (laughs) Sometimes when we're home alone, we do things because we think no one's watching. Sometimes people do these things in their car. One of these things people do is rhinotelexis. I'll spell that for y'all at home. It's R-H-I-N-O-T-I-L-L-E-X-I-S. What is this act better known as? Okay. I'm instantly getting, like, nose vibes off this because Me of too, Rhino. For sure. So I think I have so a strong guess on this based on what that. What do you do with your nose in the car? When you think no one's watching, tipster. That's right. Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is it? No, because people aren't too picky about blowing their nose. Um, (laughs) I can't not. I can't not chuckle at what you just said. What? Because people aren't too picky about it, Tipster? Oh, really? I'm almost positive it is is nose picking, yeah. 
Okay, yeah, picking your nose. You that, would be that, correct. Tilaxis, yeah. T- yeah. Oh, God. Have, have you experienced a lot of nose picking uh, voyeurism in traffic in Richmond, Aaron? Because there's some, there's some thunder on that clue. Sometimes people do these things in their car. Yeah, I, I mean, not again. I didn't. I didn't write this originally. It went through several rounds of edits. I think it's sort of a universal thing: picking your mm. nose in the car. Is it not? I, I don't know. I would never uh, admit to it. I don't drive, so. Oh, fair. I mean, I think I think I definitely notice people doing things in their car. They because you don't think in your car you're surrounded by glass and people can oh, see. Oh, right, you. right. Like I definitely have full blown conversations with myself with gestures. And my only saving grace now is that I think if people look at me and worry, they assume I'm on Bluetooth with someone. Oh, Bluetooth saving oh, yeah. us from people thinking we're crazy as much as you might think. I hope so. Question five: In this 2009 film set in the mid 22nd century. Former Marine Jake Sully must telework to his assignment as a bodyguard for a team of scientists studying the environment and culture of local tribespeople. I think you just tickled Tipster on that one. I've got it too, but I want to hear Tipster be excited about this. Continue, sir. I'm excited about this because about three days ago, um, a, a, a sequel game was announced to this. And uh, apparently... the it's it's going and it's happening um and it's not smurfs uh <laughs> but it's not not smurfs <laughs> it's not not smurfs it's adult smurfs um it's it's avatar mm-hmm, it I is agree. dances with wolves in space avatar which is somehow the best avatar movie and the worst avatar franchise simultaneously <laughs> right weird <laughs> question six Sometimes when we're home alone, we dance or we watch other people dance on the TikToks. I think that's what the kids do. Anyway, what dance is performed by repeatedly swinging your arms with clenched fists from the back of the body to the front on each side? Backpacks optional. Oh, God, no. I have a 14-year-old son that I love, love, love to give crap to by just busting this out terribly as a 40-year-old dad in front of him for no other reason than I know he cringes every time. That's the whole point of being a dad. Oh, my goodness. I've seen so many instructional videos for this online as well. It's like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Oh, and I have a dad joke queued up for this and everything, tipster. Well, go go right ahead. Be my guest. Well, he's 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 got braces now, so every night before he goes to bed, I tell him, you know, I love him. Get his pajamas on. Go to the bathroom. Make sure he brushes his teeth, and then I do the dance while I tell him to floss. <laughs> I'm sure that's one of those jokes that ages like a fine wine. It really doesn't. <laughs> the answer is floss. Uh, there's a really cute video of someone, someone on the set of. The good place, trying to teach Ted Danson how to floss. And oh. it's just really endearing. Oh, yeah. Was it Kristen Bell or was it somebody else? I think I remember, but I don't have, like, the deep details in the memory. It was either it was either Kristen Bell or William Jackson. Okay. But it was, it was delightful, and I'll find it and share it with, you know, only people who know me. Because that's one of the benefits of knowing me. And you will never <laughs> see it because it's not – there's no way for you to find it. Question seven. Encryption is a magical math formula that takes information and scrambles it so that the government can't look at your dick and or titty pics because at Orange Cat Trivia, we try to be as non-gender specific as possible. What is the global encrypted end-to-end messaging service that was acquired by Facebook in 2014? Know this. This is, I've got this bang to write. You've got it, bang? Because I'm trying to, to, to tease this out. Ah, tipster, what's, 
the name of this app. Ugh. Yeah, right? What? What, what? what is the name of this app? What's... Yeah, we, we got it, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's WhatsApp it Doc. It is. Did you just make a Mel Blanc joke right under the radar? Yeah. Ah, I missed it. No, you, no, you didn't. Yeah, but not like in the moment. Now everything just seems artificial and sad. <laughs> okay. Question question number eight to make up for Jason's crushing sense of ennui. Although it's a to- although it's totally cool to wear a frumpy sweater and your fave sweats on that Skype call. Sometimes putting on clothes and doing our hair and makeup can be a good way to get a quick sense of normal. What is the name of the process of using light and dark makeup to enhance or slim down certain certain features on one's body? Oh, so I've been googling stuff recently. <laughs> I yeah. think I know what this is. And I'm pretty it, sure I know it. Yeah, I hear it a lot. I don't know. I didn't know what it meant until I know what it does. I didn't know how you achieve it until now, apparently. Um, but, I mean, slimming down or reducing curves or enhancing curves, in fact, um, this is uh, contouring. It is. And Rob wrote this question and I refuse to give him any help. So. <laughs> He did, he did Tipster, great. Tipster, um, at some point, we are going to add a Patreon perk uh, at some level to have you record a contouring tutorial video and, and send it to uh, patrons at a certain level. What? Um, yeah. We've what been talking he... about this for weeks. It's just really coincidental. It's coming up right now. Be prepared and uh, work on your smoky eye. Smoky Question nine, eye. he said. Now I'm waiting, I'm waiting to see if Tipster actually melts down. <laughs> I thought I so I thought smoky eye was like some sort of I don't know medical condition. Okay, question number nine. In an epic teleworking scene from this 2017 film, Jedi Luke Skywalker projects his image using the Force to confront the First Order and tricks them into attacking his apparition, allowing the Resistance to escape. Also, spoiler alert, but the film is like five years old now, so yeah, I think no. we're fair game on that. Uh, but spoiler to the spoiler alert, I have not seen this movie, and I'm actually between two answers here and trying to remember which one's which. Uh, okay, 2017. I'm a bad geek. Luke Skywalker. So, okay. It's going to be one of two? Yeah, that's where I'm at as well. Yeah, name-wise. and I'm not sure whether it's like the mainline one or the spin-off one. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's not the spin-off. So, Tipster, let's let's pretend we're a team and collaborate. So, I okay. have both the Last Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker in mind, and I think and the nerds are going to berate me for this that the Rise of Skywalker was episode 9, which would make this based on the time in the question 2017 episode 8, The Last Jedi. And also, Aaron's not me, so if it were Rise of Skywalker, why should why would she tell us Skywalker? <laughs> I, I'm with you on that, 100%. All right, so Last Jedi sounds like what we're locking in on. My my, my other guess was Solo, and I'm like, oh, wait a second. Or Star of the Wars, episode, colon, episode eight, the little tilde thingy, whatever. Trademark. I'm just saying because the, the redacted answer in front of me looks longer than three words. Oh, Star, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Yay! The answer as it appears in front of you. And question 10, rounding out the category. Maybe making something with your hands is more your method of killing time. Sewing or knitting is a fun way to distract yourself and make fun things for family and friends. What is the name of the method of counted thread embroidery in which X-shaped stitches in a tiled raster-like pattern are used to form a picture? This is towing the line of the Jason Borsum question. 
it is towing the line. Uh, but I like mm. it. Uh, and I actually picked this up very, very briefly. And like briefly, I mean three days maybe as a hobby a couple years ago. I have a little piece of Deadpool that's about 5% completed. Oh, fun. I, it's one of oh. always my favorite things to do. I love doing it. It's just getting the motivation is really hard. That's fair. It, for me, it's too meticulous to continue long term, but it's a great idle hands kind of activity. Yeah, for sure. I did it when I was watching, um, rewatching the entirety of Criminal Minds oh, in there you uh, go. May of 2020. This is unfortunately one of those things that I really have to concentrate on. And it, it, it's not something I can kind of idly do in the background, unfortunately. Um, which I've met people who can, and to them I bow down. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, all my knitting and, and sewing friends out there. Uh, deep respect. Tipster, do you want to reveal the answer on this one? Uh, yes, this is a cross-stitch. That is correct. It was cross-stitching. See, I thought Hooray. that's when you like lifted the bar and then you did like jumping jacks for no good reason because you, interval training. I don't know. I don't understand workouts. Uh, no, I that's get the pain. It. It's the pain you get after that. No, the real pain is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold. On. <laughs> that right there, I believe, is the translated logo uh, logo for the uh, Marquis de Sade Academy of Fun and Hijinks. Ooh, I buy that sweatshirt. Anyway, that was 10 questions called Torque from Home. Um, thanks to my, my partner in crime, Rob, for helping me write the round and Sean Osler for um, helping us come up with the category. We had a good time. Awesome. I, I think it was over a year ago. It was a really good round and it, it hits the nerve in a positive way because uh, we've all been stuck in our goddamn houses for 16 months. And you found a way to basically make a general knowledge round tie into current like zeitgeist. Um, yep. Very good work. Very accessible round. I think this, I imagine this played well at your function. Uh, people yeah, had fun with so. it because everyone... they had good stabs at everything. Yeah. Everyone had a good time. There were no drone strikes called in on my city. So I think that's a win. I would certainly agree. Uh, I don't have anything more to say. I'm out of words. Words are hard and I get paid by the word. So words. Uh, should get we get paid? on out of here? Yeah. Well, eventually I'll pay less to continue publishing the podcast. That's the uh -huh. goal. And we'll get to that information in a moment. But first, uh, Aaron, we're going to let you get out of here because you are uh, a busy, important woman with dinners to make and, and laws to law. Yes. Uh, where where do you want people to find you? What do you want people to know about you? Sure. Um, I'm Aaron with Orange Cat Trivia in Richmond, Virginia. It's named after my Orange Cat, whose name is Orange Cat. Depending on how good my microphone is, you may have heard him puking about half an hour ago. And now he's demanding more dinner. Uh, we host a game live in person at Castleburg Brewery in Richmond every Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern. We also simulcast on Twitch, twitch.tv slash orangecattrivia, as well as Facebook and Instagram, where we post basically whatever we feel like. But there's a lot of cat content. So at the very least, follow us for that. I really should do the grams more often because I want to see that content. Uh, Tipster, how about you? What in the world do you want people to know about you these days? Uh, that's a good question. Um, best thing to do at the moment, uh, head over to facebook.pinnaclelarder.com uh, where you'll find updates of what's going on and whether or not we're back yet because I don't know if we are when this episode comes out. If we are, you can find us at play.pinnaclelarder.com and uh, if you want to support me, uh, then um, you can head over to feet.pinnaclelarder.com uh, to find our, our new merch store. <laughs> Did you say feet? 
www.pinnaclelarder.com. Yes, I did. You have all my money now. This is this is what happened when you have a late night insomniac Discord call with a group of friends who are like, "Hey, I want a thing, but also this," and the the, the monstrosity that happened is now there for well by the time this podcast comes out it won't be there anymore because it's a limited exclusive but yeah well speaking of stupid urls to send people to uh for me at liquid courage entertainment you can actually find my twitch stream if you type in geekwhodrinks.com that is a fact an actual 12 dollars a year fact i yes. pay for uh, <laughs> because yes. you know there's one of me and i actually do drink at work so i don't feel like it's copyright infringement that much but i am not a lawyer so uh as far as us here at the uh quadrivia uh fortress of solitude you can find us via email at quadriviapod at gmail.com which is uh the best mail.com uh you can find us on twitter at quadriviapod you can find us on facebook just search quadriviapod or you can uh find our website which uh i'm going to give you the actual url for because it's better to say quadriviapodcast.com where you can submit keyword challenges you can vote for our keyword challenge uh submissions uh you can reach out to us and ask us anything you want we really have nothing better to do with our lives uh with that said oh the other thing you can do is give us money uh, that would be great. Saruta did, and she is our favorite person here at Quatrivia uh, because she helps get this show published every week. So a special shout out to her. You too can get your name set a couple of times uh, and weird pictures from us and stuff. We have like a whole list of perks that Corey uh, decided on vis-a-vis -vis Adderall and legal weed uh, at patreon.com slash Quadrivia. Basically, uh, Quadrivia plus Google equals us probably. And with that said, Tipster, I need a signature iceberg-related send-off for the listeners. You have five seconds. Uh, arrivederci, bon voyage, and see you next time. There was not enough iceberg in that. You have failed me. Where do we go? Also, I just realized, am I the only person swearing, and did that change since the last time I was on the show? Uh, no, uh, we swear all the time, and I fucking encourage it. Good. Just making sure. <laughs> I got really nervous. Like, no, I'm pretty sure that this became a, a mature audience's podcast when we signed you on, Aaron. It's all good. Oh, it's good to know I that I, I'm moving the needle. mature audience's podcast from, like, second one of episode one, to be fair. <laughs> Isn't one of our episodes titled, You're a Goddamn Monster, Jeff? That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're good on that. Okay, cool.